Hello, everybody. This is Donnie Podcast with you again. And here with me is Zach from the Say What Needs Saying podcast. All right. It's great to have you, Zach. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, you all are now officially in the rabbit hole. And I don't know much about Zach, but I do know that he is a scholar. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. So I'm a, uh, I'm a neuroscience graduate student up at uh, the University of Michigan. Awesome. Uh, and did you say like a, a candidate for PhD? Yep. Yeah. So I, I'm a PhD candidate. Um, so basically after, depending on the program, after your first year or two years, you move on to candidacy and are officially working towards a PhD. Okay. And with the whole candidate process, because if you've seen my, what the title of my one episode was like, Donnie podcast, the most interesting man in the world, kind of like a joke because my life has been very interesting as the idea of all the different things I had to do so far. I've never, uh, I didn't go all the way through college and that's what kind of sent me on this like adventure of a life, so to speak. So I did like three semesters of college and for anyone like me who doesn't know what it's like to get beyond graduate school and all that, what is candidacy all about? Uh, Yeah, sure. So I can't speak for every program because everyone's a little bit different, but at least for my school, for my program, Basically, I finished undergrad and then I went straight into my PhD program. And so the first year was pretty class heavy. You finish some requirements up um, with classes. And then after you finish that up, you have a preliminary exam and qualifying exams. And so you have to, for our program, you, we had to read uh, a bunch of scientific articles and answer questions on them and then defend our project idea to our committee members on uh, basically just, you know, explaining what we plan to do, what our project is going to be for for the duration of our time in grad school. And then assuming you pass the tests and your committee approves it, then yeah, you move on to candidacy. And so from there on out, the, the rest of my time in grad school will be, I still have a couple classes, but it's mostly just going to be research. And so I'm going to be working now on that project that I got approved by my committee and have to finish that up before I, before I graduate. And is that basically the process where after you do all the research, people uh, have to like write a dissertation? Yep. Yeah. So that, that'll be the end of it is I'll write up the project that I did, you know, all the work that I did and the results I got and everything like that. Um, and it's, yeah, and so that's the that's the culmination of it. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. Like, because basically, if you've followed my podcast, a lot of it's health related because I'm a holistic healer as like a day day job type of thing. Um, gotcha. And to, to effectively do any of that, you can't do what kind of is the stereotype of these people. Just kind of like, oh, your shoulder hurts. I'll just rub on your shoulder. Hopefully, that feels better. <laughs> kind of thing. You actually have to do legitimate research and know the ability like basically be research literate you know be able to identify accurate sources and all that and it's a thing that i think like if there's one message i want to put out to everybody out there it's you know to do better as far as like identifying accurate sources check your sources don't just believe whatever nonsense is coming through the media because that's how you get people believing stuff that isn't even true or blaming somebody for something they never even did and oh this person's evil because some guy on tv told me so you know 
Yeah, absolutely. I definitely second that. Yeah. And uh, that kind of brings us, you would uh, kind of to our, our topic of like, you know, the whole what subject, what subject, what candidate people are voting for and all that, because there is an awful lot of mudslinging and uh, kind of like just misinformation out there on, I would say maybe on both sides. But often the source that people use to formulate their opinion is, well, my favorite candidate said this, so I believe it type of a thing. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and I did, like I said, a couple episodes that are left leaning and I want to be fair and let people who are going to vote for Trump have a say and defend their position and, and explain why they're voting for Trump. Uh, I might do another episode with another person as well in support of Trump just to be fair to everyone and let everyone have their say because I don't mind people having their opinion and being completely full bore 110% in their direction whatever it is on my podcast but I also want to be fair and let both sides have that full bore kind of opinion exposed to uh, the world you know yeah definitely so uh, from what I understand from just like a little bit of chatting with you is you're not like an extremist in either way. You're, you're not like, you don't really lean too heavily in either direction, but you still feel that you're going to vote for Trump. Is that correct? I, I think so. So I'm still, you know, I don't want to say anything for sure at this point, but I'm definitely leaning that direction. Uh, I'm so I, as far as political affiliation, uh, party identification, stuff like that, I technically I'm a registered Republican. I really just did it because in Ohio, I used to live in Ohio and you had to be registered in a party to vote in the primary. And so I picked one <laughs> and I, as far as political affiliation goes, I mostly identify as a conservative um, with some libertarian leanings here and there. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I'm leaning towards voting for Trump, but to be completely honest, I'm not, I'm not entirely happy with either candidate as of right now. And so. I could see it's changing, but yeah, absolutely leaning towards Trump at this point. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, and you know, I don't have much of a following, but I know I do have a following because I see my numbers growing even when I'm not publishing episodes. Always good. And you know, I, I do esoteric things about holistic healing or just sometimes about conspiracy theory stuff just because it's fun, you know? Um, but I let people know, I don't try to mislead them and be like, yeah, the earth is flat, man. You, you gotta trust me on this, you know? <laughs> Um, but you know, there are, I know that a lot of my following probably is very left leaning and, um, I'm just going to say what the honest truth is about me. And that's, I have historically in the past either supported before I was old enough to vote the left side or voted for the left side. But this time around, I really, just like you're saying, I don't really care for either candidate. I don't like either one of them. Actually, I would have voted Bernie. Uh, as I still might even write him in just because, you know, I feel just vote for who's right. Even if you know you're going to lose, you're, you know, just do what, because right. that's what the system is based on, right? Just vote for who you think is the best candidate rather than trying to join a team and hope your team wins or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, because that's, I don't think we ever intended that in our government that people, instead of having their own mind in voting who's the appropriate candidate, they would rather just oh, well, I, I don't like this person or that person. Oh, hey, Bob, who should I vote for? Oh, okay, I'll just vote for who Bob told me to vote for, you know? 
Right. Well, I mean, even George Washington warned us against parties, right? Even at the very beginning of the country, he was like, don't don't adopt the, a party system because it's going to lead to problems. And then we adopted a party system and now it's devolved into red versus blue. Yeah. And I think that's a, I didn't know that. So thank you for bringing that up. That's a good point too, anyways, because really it is because instead of people voting for the candidate they, that they think is doing going to do the most sorry i'm tripping over my tongue <laughs> the candidate who's going to be doing the best job uh they're just voting for whoever ends up in their party of choice and that really kind of gets really overly simplified into what does this party generally support not necessarily what that actual candidate supports but eh, this candidate, this uh, party tends to support this stuff and this party tends to do that. So I'm just gonna vote for this guy who happens to be identifying himself currently as whatever, a Democrat or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's a lot of, so getting a little bit into my views on Trump, right? That's, I don't think that I'm the only one that thinks this way, but if I vote for Trump, it will be because he's a vessel for conservative policy and because his over well at least that will be part of the reason but you know i like i said i don't like the guy i don't like him as a candidate morally i think he's he's awful um i think you know i disagree with him on a lot of stuff and i'm a scientist and so i disagree with him on a lot of his stances on science and his attitudes about it but yeah i think you're right in that it does boil down sometimes to the party itself and that well it's either Democrat or Republican and you know more broadly it's either liberal or conservative policy and which one you want to kind of lean into yeah and I think that's unfortunate and really in my own opinion I think it's a disease to our government to have this whole party thing where instead of voting for the appropriate candidate we're voting for whatever party we think that maybe ill-fitting candidate happens to be identifying with Right. And, you know, I just think it's, it's really it's degrading our system It's degrading even our what you call the freedom to vote where, you know, even on Facebook or whatever, I put about how I might write in Bernie Sanders anyway, just because he's the guy that I think I should vote for. And then you have all these guys on the left saying, oh, all you're doing is voting for Trump by writing in Bernie Sanders. And it's yeah. like, you know, last I checked, that was my constitutional right. And I've defended that right with five years of my life. So I think I'm entitled sure. to it, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so actually, like, if I had to pick, like, if there literally were only two candidates and I had to pick one, in my own personal opinion, I would vote for Trump simply because I don't care for either candidate, but Biden put out this radio commercial, which in more eloquent words basically stated that he wanted to defund the police. And I don't think it's a wise decision ever to take funding away from the police or try to, to cut down on that security that we have. Because in my own opinion, I think, you know, if you want a secure society, if you want people to be safe, then you want the police to be there and be well equipped and well paid and be willing to do a good job. You know, that's just how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, so I haven't heard the ad, so I don't want to speak specifically on it, but but I know that that sentiment is out there. Um, and I know that, you know, Trump brought it up in the debates. And that was one of the points, even though the debate was an absolute debacle and, and awful, that was one good point that Trump got in is that, you know, he asked Biden, he was like, name one law enforcement group that is supporting you. 
and and Biden didn't didn't list one. Um, and I think you know that does speak to at least on some level his his desired policies as far as uh, police go and and policing. Um, he he did come out in the debate, you know, as a little more moderate Biden that is, um, mm-hmm. you know, saying that he thinks that police need support, but that could be taken in any different way, right? That could be taken. We need to add funding to support police, but that could also mean we need to defund police and and allow other institutions like social workers and like low-income housing and all these other things support police through limiting their responsibilities. So yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I'm definitely more um, pro pro police when it comes to a lot of this stuff. You know, I, I don't get me wrong, I my the libertarian in me disagrees with a lot of stuff that has gone on um you know lafayette square i really disagreed with the handling of it um and think that there have been times where police have evidenced that reform needs to happen um we had an episode on brianna taylor and you know we basically talked about how it seemingly it was legal um but it evidences you know, a lack of training and some issues within how things are done. But if anything, that's more money that's needed, right? You need more money to add training and add um, different elements to, to how things are done. Yeah, that seems fair to me because the whole point of like, you know, sometimes if you have like I say a very immature like friend that you're talking to about it, uh, sometimes they'll bring up some stuff from that kind of seems like middle school logic where they'd be like, well, that's not fair. Those police are outnumbering this person by this much. Why do they need that many cops? This, it should be a fair fight. I'm like, but if you have a fair fight, they have to use more force to control that person. Right. So it's actually more gentle and more controlled and safer if you have like four cops on one person. Because then if you have one-on-one, it's almost a fist fight and maybe weapons get, you know, a police baton or whatever. Uh, so basically, if you do have police comfortably overpowering their uh, suspect, then it allows them to handle them more safely and less violently and have more of a calm energy about the whole thing. So, you know, that's definitely a more funding thing. You could definitely pay four cops with more money. You know, you're not going to be able to necessarily afford the man, the manpower with less money if we're just speaking on that basic of a level. But uh, I mean, everything, like everything people are talking about too, like they're, it's so ironic to me where they're saying, oh, defund them, please. They need more accountability. It's like, well, if you're equipping them with body cameras and you want more of the dash cam video stuff and you want more people following the police and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, all of that's going to cost more money. So you're going to want more funding in the police if you want all those things, you know? Right. Well, and if you look at the, you know, the polls and things, there are, the, the narrative is very different from the reality, right? If you look at the the polls, um, I don't know the numbers offhand, so I don't want to misspeak, but the, the majority of uh, black uh, black people that were polled want either the same or higher police presence in their in their city because it leads to oftentimes leads to lower crime rates. And so the narrative would make you think that every single black person in America is terrified of cops and wants them gone and out of their city. But that's just not not the case, right? And 
you know, I, I understand that a lot of it is sensationalism and, and conservative fear mongering on some levels too. But, but yeah, it's just, there's a very big difference between the reality and what is being pushed for a lot of times I find. Yeah, and I think that even goes for like poll numbers as far as voting goes too, because remember the first time Trump ran, there was this all this stuff about, oh, Trump has this massive lead. How are the Democrats going to beat him? And then then they won. And then a second time around, uh, they were they were saying that he was leading barely or whatnot. And then he did win. But, you know, just that that whole thing they're trying to kind of foreshadow there was like, oh, Trump has this gigantic lead in the first time he ran for presidency. And uh, like he didn't like he ended up losing that election. So, like, I think a lot of times the numbers that are being reported, who knows what it is, whether they're actually even reporting real numbers or if they're just gathering a certain sample size that makes it look different than what it really is, uh, which is kind of like the whole law of large numbers thing where, you know, if you grab too small of a sample size, you could end up with a very skewed result. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you saw that in 2016 with, you know, everyone thought Hillary was going to win by a large margin. All the polls had her winning like crazy. Um, And she did win the popular vote, um, but she she didn't win the electoral college. And that was a huge surprise to a lot of people, including her and her campaign. Um, I think, you know, it's probably a combination of things, right? There's probably on one hand, it's probably miss uh a a non-representative sample you know it's probably poor uh polling but on the other hand from what i've seen anecdotally it's it does seem like trump trump appeals to a very different voter base that isn't the typical conservative and it isn't the typical republican and from what i've seen from a lot of more hardcore trump supporters friends of mine that that do is that they have a very different willingness to respond to polls in the first place. Um, You know, I've talked to plenty of them who were like, yeah, I got a poll and, you know, and I I threw it out or I I hung up and said that, you know, go F yourself and whatever. Like there's just a very, there's a lot more animosity for the polls and the institutions in general. And so it's, I don't know how much of a confounding factor that is. Biden this time is leading by a lot more. Um, you know, Hillary was winning as far as the polls went in 2016, but not like Biden is. Biden is taking it. It's it, like it's not close as far as the polls say. But but yeah, I think that that anti-establishment, anti-status quo appeal that Trump has, I think that that plays into it at least a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, it, you know, it also depends on, like, the strength of their opinion, because that's part of, like, what I was looking for. And I want to do an episode later with someone who's, like, extremely enthusiastic about Trump, mm-hmm. uh, because that's the, that's the stuff that I see on all over the, like, say, Facebook, for example. You, you say anything that even seems to be mildly anti-Trump, and you'll have some Trump guy, like, blasting you. And... You know, I think that guy, if, if the poll came to him, he would probably like feel like it's his duty to make sure that it's well known. Like, yeah, I'm voting for him and here's my signature, you know, kind of a thing. Right. I, I don't know if that's accurate, but it's kind of what I would expect from that guy being that he's so motivated to put his opinion out there. 
uh, yeah, and like kind of put it right in your face that I would think that he would also want the polls to know it too. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a question for you actually. So since you are a burning fan, mm-hmm. um, and you said you know if you had to pick one of the two, you know you may even lean towards Trump. Do you find that your views are coming from a place of I don't want to say distrust, but unhappiness with the current system. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit with the party system, but I find that that's a lot of Trump's appeal. And frankly, you know, some of why I like him is that I do like that he goes against the grain and and is not your quote unquote average politician. And I think you could say the same thing about Bernie, right? He's very, he's very different as well and pushes for pretty fundamental change. Um, but do you think that plays into your your views on Bernie or Trump at all? Uh, yeah, especially Bernie. Um, the thing, like, I don't generally agree with the conservative side because of the system that we have uh, and the difficulties that people on the bottom have toward getting anywhere due to that system. Uh, so, like, I, I like I admire the systems in other countries where you know people have like healthcare and all that at as far as our taxes but the whole country is being taxed so it's almost like everyone has insurance and therefore everyone's premium is going to be really cheap compared to just a small percentage of the population actually having the insurance for example and you know i've just met so many people from all over the world from being in the military and i have a friend who visits from the netherlands six weeks of the year and all he is is a high school teacher He's a high school teacher, but he can comfortably afford six weeks of vacation uh, to just blow money in the United States. And, you know, so people would be very hard pressed to convince me that that system doesn't work, which is a common rhetoric from like the the Trump side of things. And uh, so like what I would like is if like, say Bernie seems to be aiming in the direction of making healthcare more affordable, maybe making education more affordable and at the same time he doesn't seem to be like anti-police or whatever he did protest for black rights and i shouldn't have to say it but sadly in this world you do kind of have to acknowledge that you can be in support of police and in support of equality at the same time i mean that's kind of the whole that's the idea of the United States is that if you're supporting the police, you're supporting safety for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So like to me, Bernie is heading in the right direction. He's progressive enough that he actually wants to make the progress that we have been needing for decades. Uh, in which case, you know, I could actually afford insurance and afford to see a doctor and things like that. Where in our current system, I don't, I don't have insurance because it's, it's do you pay insurance or do you pay rent, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I just think Bernie is aggressive and bold in the direction we need him to be. But I think the current left that we have, the current lefties, they're not, they're not bold enough. They're, they're not uh, daring enough to kind of back him. And they kind of have enough doubt in their systems that, oh, no, we can't make that happen. They're like, to me, it's like, it seems to me that they're self-doubters like oh that would be great but we can't do that you know Uh, so like you know i I, but i do like a lot of the stuff that's on the conservative side just fundamental things that are just you know i think it's generally just true for things like you know the, the, the conservative side is well known for being 
uh, supporters of the Bible and all that and just ethics, you know, trying to do things the ethical way. And that means like, don't steal, don't murder people, you know, don't cheat on your wife, things like that. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's good to have that good, clean, wholesome uh, thought process. And, you know, the Bible, most people might might think is not perfect or they think it, some of the stuff doesn't quite add up or that it doesn't make you evil to do this or that. But if you follow it, you're still doing good things. You know, you're still following the law. You're still treating everyone really well. And no one's going to accuse you of being a jerk or whatever for, you know, just truly following everything in, in those basically set of directions of like what's ethical, what isn't, what should and shouldn't you do type of a thing. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing hearing you say that because I, you know, I think typically the, the reaction to the right is almost the opposite. You know, people think that they, I say they, I don't know, you know, who, who I'm really talking about, but that the more religious side of the right then leads to the opposite, you know, and leads to more discrimination, whether it's, you know, stuff like gay marriage or stuff like abortion or, or what have you. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with your take that generally, I think that, that, you know, holding religious values can, can help one to be moral. I don't think you have to be religious to be moral. Um, and personally, I don't really know, I don't really identify with a particular religion myself. I'm more, I, I don't want to say agnostic. That's kind of a cop out. I grew up Catholic, so I have that leaning, but, um, but yeah, you know, I do think that a lot of those positions, um, when it comes to like the Bill of Rights, like with freedom of religion, I side with conservatives sometimes on religious issues, but more from a place of constitutional rights and less from a place of, of religious tendencies. Um, as far as what you were saying about Bernie, I think that I, I respect Bernie for for those that that push that he has, the willingness that he has to change the system. I very much disagree with it. <laughs> I, I will say I don't. I very much disagree with the push for um, socialized medicine and you know increasing some of the other more progressive policies. You know whether it's free college or. Um, whether it's the, I guess, more of the more recent progressive or liberal pushes to get rid of checks and balances like the filibuster or packing the courts and things like that. I think I agree with you that our system needs fixing because there's clearly flaws in the areas that you talked about, right? Education, um, healthcare, things like that. But for me, the issue doesn't arise from government not doing enough, it actually arises from government to doing too much. Um, the way I see it, I feel like anything government touches, it, it almost just burns and just is a poor outcome. You know, if you were to look at education, well, I'll back up a little. I think this is one thing that I want to kind of get across to, you said that your listeners are oftentimes maybe left-leaning. I think one thing that I want to impress upon them coming from a coming from a conservative scientist is that oftentimes the issues that you referenced that liberals or progressives want to solve, conservatives also want to solve. 
just through different means, right? So education, right? Education is a good one that typically the left wants to pour more money into the public school system, um, you know, pour more money into um, impoverished areas and school districts that, that need more help. Um, whereas I would more so side with Trump where he, he advocates for more of a charter school system and school voucher system to where it almost becomes if the school is bad, then people decide not to go there anymore. And then, you know, it almost implements comp competition on that level. Because I mean, I went to public high school, I went to public schools all my life up until college. And, you know, my teachers went on strike in my junior year of high school. And so I'm a little biased, but I feel like the public school system is just deeply flawed. And when you look at things like the curriculum requirements and the, the fact that, you know, dollars spent per student doesn't actually correlate to outcomes and things like that, that I would rather see a system with less government involvement, whether that's private schools or charter schools or what have you. And then, you know, in terms of healthcare, I think I, I absolutely agree with you that healthcare is too expensive here. Um, but I, again, don't think it's necessarily because we don't have socialized healthcare. I think that we, when it comes to healthcare and, and other things, you can really only have two of three qualifiers. You can either have something that is good quality, you can have something that's cheap, and you can have something that is widely available. But you can only pick two of the three. And so if you have something like socialized medicine, you know, that then inevitably is cheap, right? Because it's it's subsidized by the government on some level or or single payer or things like that. And it's widely available, um, but the quality will inevitably decrease with that. You know, right now I see the U.S. leads in medical patents, in drug developments and things like that, to where I think the competition in our system, which admittedly is lacking too, um, lead, helps lead to that. And so I think that pushing for things like transparency and in, in pricing in drug price reform and things that, again, well, again, Trump has tried to do admittedly through executive orders. So it's all imagistic and and just it, it doesn't hold any weight, right? It doesn't have any actual legal bearing because it's just his executive order saying something. But but yeah, I think that I agree with you that those issues all definitely need solving, but I don't think that more government is the solution. And I think that is part of why I lean towards Trump as opposed to Biden. Yeah, and that's like, that's what we're all here for is like, regardless of what your opinion is and, uh, you know, your thought processes, that's what I want to do is uh, let that be out there and be heard without interference because like I said, I, I want to be a, a fair podcast. And even if I do have an episode that has left leaning stuff, I also want to put right leaning and extreme right leaning and right. put that all out there. So thank you very much for all that input there. Uh, that's good to hear from you. Yeah. Sorry to ramble a little. No, no, it's good because like, uh, it's this stuff that I wouldn't have really come up with myself if I was doing like the solo podcasting and, and trying to like, you know, just hearing all the stuff that the Republicans on Facebook are saying and try to like address all those issues because that might not necessarily accurately predict or, or even address everything that 
is truly out there and your opinion is more moderate and it's more mm -hmm. uh, articulate and intelligent um, but it's not you know very right-leaning it's but it is you are you think you probably are gonna vote for Trump mm -hmm. and that's that's fair you know like all your input there I think needs to be heard um, you know because there is there's a lot of value in like dividing um, mm -hmm. and people will actually do that deliberately like they will deliberately make their podcast or their TV show or whatever or their political campaign very divisive to basically repel the people they don't want and make the people that they do want more enthusiastic yeah and you know if I were doing this for money I wouldn't even be here right now because my podcast <laughs> has been around for like six months and I've earned less than two dollars on advertising revenue altogether <laughs> uh, you know so uh, I'm not about that I'm here you know to let you have your voice I'm also gonna try to find someone who's very extreme right-leaning and, and let them just tell me everything uh, and put that out there because that's a valid opinion too. It needs to be heard. And um, I, I think you make some very good and intelligent points with what you're saying though. And that's basically to be expected at your level of education because it's not like you got there by doing this Facebook meme research that our society seems to be buried in. Which, yeah. is, which, is, which is a reason why I really want education for people. I want, if possible, free education or whatever because I think a big problem that we have is a lack of education and, and a big uh, side effect of a lack of education is people being research illiterate where they mm -hmm. can't even accurately look up a valid source and they'll be like, well, this blog article that sounds <laughs> very articulate, they probably wouldn't even use the word articulate. It sounds smart. The blog yeah. article sounds smart, so I believe it, you know, so. Right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Right. And that's why, you know, if that that's the one area where I definitely if I were put, you know, if I were made president tomorrow, I would absolutely just uproot our education system and start from scratch because I, I do. I agree that it needs needs reforming and, and change. And um, there is a balance to be struck, though. You know, we we had touched on in a, in a collaboration episode we did with Red's Ramblings podcast. Uh, we were talking about education and the education system and someone had made i don't remember if it was my co-host or or the host of the, the podcast we were guesting on but they had brought up the point of increasing education right and that basically having a more educated population never hurts the country and i think that's mostly true but i think that there is also a balance to be struck because if you're if you're in academia your whole life and I say this as someone who so far has been in academia his whole life, <laughs> but you you very much see a massive increase in book smarts, right? You're able to rationalize, you're able to critically think, you're able to analyze and on all those skills that are super, super important and absolutely need to be emphasized. But you see a real big deficit in street smarts, for lack of a better term, right? Lack of common sense, lack of understanding of how the quote-unquote real world works, you know, and and you start seeing things that manifest in political views that just don't really make sense a lot of times. At least, you know, this is my own personal opinion. I don't want to say that objectively I mean, speaking. I second but, that. I second that. Continue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
so so I think you know there's a balance to be struck and I think that education is absolutely a good thing but I think we need to be careful not to stray too far into the into lumping all education into just the stereotypical go to high school go to college go to grad school get a job because I think there's more that you can do outside of that right whether it's trade schools or whether it's you know learning quote unquote educating yourself on the job right learning on the job and learning skill sets on the job things like that hold value too and i think that it's it's important to have a good balance in society i do agree that people need to be better about knowing knowing credibility of their sources and understanding research a little bit but but yeah i do think that there's there's a balance to be struck and too often being a conservative in academia and especially being in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, it's it's something that I definitely get a lot of pushback against. I definitely get a lot of dissenting opinions when it comes to this kind of stuff. But but yeah, I think it's I think it's important. Yeah, and kind of one thing that you, you sort of touched on that has been kind of like this truth that's been in my face all the time that just seems like if you dig deeper, it's probably just going to rear its head even more is that the idea that a more educated people is just going to help the country more and it's going to help the people who are trying to get the jobs and it's going to help the employers that are looking for people to fill those jobs and when i say that i mean specifically like things that traditionally they would ask for a bachelor's degree despite the fact that you don't need to know what year abraham lincoln was born to write in uh, python for example mm-hmm. uh so uh, that example I use because in the tech industry in particular, there's a huge deficit of talent to jobs available. And so Facebook and Google used to, just like any other place, say, if you want to work for us, you need a bachelor's degree and preferably in computer science. And then they realized, dude, some guy in his grandma's basement can code better than any coder we have right now. And he actually hacked our system now let's instead of punish this guy let's hire him because that's the talent we need that we've been missing out on because he never had the money to go to college mm-hmm. and uh, you know he, he knows what we need him to know so companies are hurting for talent and you know I think a bachelor's degree is a great thing like I wish I had one and I wish it was practical or even possible for me to get one at this point um, and I would do it if, if I thought I could without like ruining my life and becoming homeless or whatever. But uh, it's good that companies are starting to recognize that they're creating their own detriment by putting on this standard for basically a lot of stuff that your people don't even need. Like if you want to hire a software developer, then there's skill sets that he might need to, uh, depending on what you're doing. So like a, a data science major guy who can do high-end math and also write code very well that would be a good candidate but in most coding you don't need to know math at all and you know just maybe some basic multiplication stuff here and there and then the rest of it is just understanding the language of the code how it works and how to put it together so that it does what you want it to do so that guy did not need to have a humanities class and a western cultures class and a you know, a Spanish class to do that, though all those things I think are very good. Um, And kind of a thing that I kind of want to throw in there just off the top of my head that just kind of came up is like a lot of the reason why we learn these things is to 
to let people have a well-rounded knowledge of the world and how things work and how things came to be and all that and you know just let you be i guess you know not not that that i have a great idea of, of how to really articulate this but essentially like a, a well-rounded person really uh, so that you have a better mind for what's really going on and how to interact with people and, and the cultures of different areas and all that in different time frames even and so like i kind of think that being that i'm an enlisted guy I, i'm not an officer i did not go to ocs or anything didn't go to west point or whatever i enlisted did i got e5 and then i got out because i just didn't like the way things were but i did my time honorably discharged and you know that is uh, amazing compared to, it makes a it makes a uh, humanities class look like a joke because you're learning these okay well this mummy was buried at this time and this is the type of architecture <laughs> you know yeah so i think i kind of think like if you have some sort of skill set that that company uses let's just say i, I like the idea of actuaries because i like math and i would like to be an actuary and that'd be great if i get my math skills up take a test take the actuarial exams and pass or whatever but a lot of the companies in any source you look up online almost all of them will say you need a bachelor's degree to become an actuary with some exceptions so i just think you know the bachelor's degree is great but if you're going to require that then it'd be great if our system made it very practical for anyone to get one where you know like me i'm buried in debt if you if you watch that episode that's telling you about about my life experiences you know that i dropped out of college to be a pilot found out that i couldn't finish pilot school and now i'm buried in debt like crazy and so um now i'm working full time while studying trying to get some skills to do like a tech job for example and still there's jobs out there like that whole actuarial thing or a lot of tech jobs that will still require a bachelor's degree but they're denying people like that who have all the ambition and drive and education to actually do what they're supposed to do and then some but because they don't have some certificate that says hey you've completed all this stuff at like FSU or whatever uh now you're qualified for the job you know right yeah i agree i think you know liberal I, so the college i went to it was a um it was a liberal arts degree and i got i mean it was i majored in neuroscience and psychology um but it was a liberal arts school and so we had to do a lot of what you were just saying right we had to have two of the three either religion history or uh, philosophy had to have foreign language had to have fine arts had to have if you weren't a science major you had to have some science you know had to have all, all kinds of stuff right um it, it has a place um it definitely does because you know i i've benefited a lot from a lot of those classes that i took i even took you know, i had to take like i said a religion class and i got stuck taking women in religion <laughs> and it was basically an overview of women throughout the various different religions and and how each religion treated women and things like that at the time i didn't i didn't really give a crap to be honest um i like it was i did it because my advisor told me it was open and i could take it and it would fill the requirement but even aside from the specifics of you know the women in the religion i wound up learning a lot about each different religion 
And, you know, because of that now, I have a much better understanding of where people are coming from when they have different religious beliefs, things like that. I, I think that, and I don't know how we, how we make this change, but all of that information, everything that I learned in every one of those liberal arts classes, um, whether it's ethics or hell, even Spanish, you know, anything outside of the very tactical, very specific education, you could, you could teach yourself online if you really wanted to, you know, and like you were saying, you know, taking the coding example, you don't necessarily need a computer science degree. You could teach yourself Python on, uh, what's it called? And there's um, CodePen.io, there's FreeCodeCamp.org, yeah. just to name a couple of ways that you could play around with code without even having the uh, IDE. Right. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. And so I think, you know, I don't know how we make that change, but having having more businesses value non-degree alternatives for that stuff and instilling the desire to learn about it in people from a very young age, because then, you know, if, if you've got people teaching themselves from a very young age, you know, that kind of stuff or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is that you're interested in, teaching yourself online, going on YouTube and learning, uh, you know, watching tutorials on different things. And, you know, it, I think that ultimately that could replace a lot of the college system if the workforce didn't necessitate a degree so, so strongly. So yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know how to change businesses to suddenly no longer need a degree. I, I mean, maybe the difference is just shift in in demand, right? If people stop going to college and start doing other things, um, you know, if more people start going to trade schools instead, or more people start, you know, there's more. I, this stat was from a while ago, so I don't know if it's still accurate, but. A while back, you know, there were more open, unskilled labor jobs than there were unemployed people in the United States. And, you know, they, they pay fairly well, you know, because no one wants to do them. You can get paid 20 some bucks an hour to go down and pick strawberries because no one wants to do it. And you can't design a robot to do it because it'll squish the strawberry. And so, you know, things like that will hopefully increase in demand at least a little bit in the job force. And I'm not saying people need to go and do that because obviously no one wants to do it. It's it's any kind of manual labor like that, any kind of unskilled labor, it comes at a at a price of, you know, not wanting quote unquote to do it. But I'm almost wondering if that is what will change these businesses perception, right? Is if people I don't think that, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think the businesses will change if people keep going to college and fulfilling the the requirements that they're setting for their job openings. Yeah, well, one thing that I think is a kind of like a prediction, sometimes in my episodes I like to do predictions, like that one I did about like what the right-wing conspiracy theorists would predict, like we're trying to predict what their conspiracy theories would be mm -hmm. uh, since Trump contracted COVID. And we had some fun just making up like, well, the Mars rover, and the reason why it wrecked is because, uh, you know, we figured that out and we crashed it or whatever to make sure that they couldn't send the COVID by missiles or whatever. I don't know. But one thing that I'm kind of predicting in a more serious and practical sense is like part of why I think the big companies like i said facebook or google started omitting the requirement for degrees 
is yeah they're they're not getting the talent that they needed and there's too many positions that need they need filled and they're not making the progress they want to make without it and so i'm sure they would love to because like i said i really think there's great value in a bachelor's degree because it does help you be a more well-rounded person and it kind of helps you like if you're 100 of your workforce is required to have a legitimate bachelor's degree then it helps reduce the odds that you have some politically incorrect ignoramus in your office who is just it has no people skills or anything just a total jerk or whatever uh who's totally ignorant of other people's cultures who, who doesn't know the basics of other things that are kind of important to know mm-hmm. um but that doesn't you could kind of figure a lot of that stuff out in the job interview like if you talk to someone and they're always saying things that just kind of seem like the guy is, is ignorant like and like then you can kind of weed that out a little bit and there's also that whole trial at the workforce where yeah they can maybe say for the whole coding example maybe they can code but this guy really doesn't work well with others he doesn't know how to collaborate with a team and blah 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 Mm -hmm. and so um what my prediction is and i'm going to use the actuarial example because these are a couple things that i like i have some interest in like i like mathematics i like the coding stuff and i I think those industries are fascinating uh that's almost nobody can do that math (laughs) like like what they do is they take people from like astrophysics classes and engineering classes and advanced statistics classes and then those guys still study even harder than that to prepare for the exams and those exams have like a 40 percent pass rate so they're they have very few people who have the talent to actually be able to even qualify for that job and it's still a lot of those jobs are still requiring you need a bachelor's degree my prediction is that as far as these um, positions that require a, a strong education are concerned there's going to eventually be a point where these guys just they don't have the talent and they need to start making exceptions and whether the system is ready for it or not these companies are eventually going to have to just start looking the other way when it comes to the bachelor's degree thing or like the big tech companies officially uh, make the declaration that the bachelor's degree is no longer required as long as you can prove to us that you have the skill set that we need i think that's what will eventually happen if the system doesn't change in such a way that people can get the education that these companies would prefer the people have yeah yeah that's a good point you know it it goes along the lines of like, you know, if if everyone's special, then no one's special, right? Like mm-hmm. at the very beginning when when college started getting more popular, you know, everyone was told, myself included, was told, go to college, get a degree, you'll definitely get a well-paying job. And and that's fine. And a lot of times, you know, if you, you still can go to college and major in a quote unquote good major and get a well-paying job as long as it's something that's still you know fairly competitive and has good job prospects and things like that but yeah i think you know you saw a lot of people go to get a bachelor's degree just because well i need one and then you know they pass or they get their degree in something that is just garbage and not helpful and now yeah sure they can check the box on the application that says well yep i have a bachelor's degree and you know here's my credentials but you know you don't know anything you don't know again it goes back to those street smarts right either you don't know how to work with people or you don't have very good problem solving skills or you don't have you know whatever else and now suddenly 
as the employer, you know, you're looking out the, at the job pool. And like you said, you know, you're, you're trying to weed out the one person that, yeah, has a bachelor's degree, but has a bachelor's degree and these other traits that you're, that you're looking for. And the bachelor's degree doesn't teach those traits a lot of times. So I think that I, I agree. I agree, you know, largely with your prediction that that eventually companies are just going to start saying, all right, you know, screw it. This isn't this isn't helping us, you know, having eventually they'll have the data to, to show that. All right. Well, when we hire someone with a bachelor's degree, they're not necessarily better than the person that we hire without a bachelor's degree. You know, as long as we as long as you have these X, Y and Z skills and and then, yeah, that might that might change. Now, don't get me wrong. There are certain degrees that, and I'm biased because I'm in I'm in science, but there are certain degrees that I think that you genuinely do need higher education to be successful in, just because of the nature of the education that you need to get. You know, I like agree, I, yeah. like you know, I'm a neuroscientist, right? And so, or at least in training, <laughs> and so you know, lab classes and things of that nature, right? You have to. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the standard format of a bachelor's degree, I suppose, but there's really, at least right now, no alternative, right? I can't teach myself how to do dissections through a YouTube video, or I can't teach myself how to, you know, have proper lab etiquette from a YouTube video or from an online class, because there is a certain amount of it that necessitates in-person learning and in-person education and it's not just science right there's there's plenty of fields that that i think warrant higher education and warrant getting a bachelor's degree for that kind of things um but yeah i think you know too many people are getting the degrees in the areas that aren't that and and it just leads to you know both them not being prepared and then saturation of the market you know originally i was going to just be a psych major and I was going to be just psych and then I looked into it a little bit and I realized well, I don't actually want to do anything that I could do with a psych major. And so, well, let me just double major. I'll double major in, you know, psych and biology or psych and chemistry or something. And then I found out what neuroscience was and it's pretty interdisciplinary, right? It draws on psych and bio and chem and you know, all kinds of other stuff. And so I found that and now, you know, it, it's a more marketable major i suppose for lack of a better term and so there are those majors that i think some equivalent to the current bachelor's degree system will always be necessary for certain fields will always be helpful but it's gotten way too overextended to the point where now you can get a bachelor's degree in anything and it's not going to help you get a job necessarily or it's not going to help train you for the job that you want but yeah something needs to change for sure <laughs> yeah and, and part of like so the whole political opinion of mine um you mentioned how there you know there, there could be cheaper schools or they're not necessarily the highest quality but one thing that i've always believed is that the quality of our education isn't necessarily upon the teachers or the equipment they have in a classroom but it's it's more on on the students to the point that i i question the validity of calling teachers teachers because teachers it's more like they facilitate a class and the students 
ultimately they're responsible for teaching themselves because they're, they're not going to learn it right there in a classroom. It takes studying and homework and all that to truly learn it. And the example that I have in my own experience is I went to a Tallahassee community college and you know, it was an inexpensive school. We just had, you know, your textbooks and a little projector type thing or smart board. And they, the teachers taught you what you're supposed to teach for like say trigonometry or whatever. And then no one learns math by just sitting there in a class. They have to go home and spend hours drilling themselves on the same practices and the same practice questions until they feel confident in their knowledge of how to handle it. And then that's what I did. Like I just got my textbook. I, I think basically I didn't even want to show up in class because as long as they tell me what chapter I'm supposed to be learning from, I, I did most of my learning from homework and practicing. And I ended up at FSU's campus one day and I was tutoring people who were in a semester above me in a, in a level of calculus that was I hadn't even taken yet but they were struggling to solve some math problems and I, I was actually helping them solve their supposedly higher level math problems. And, you know, if you ask anybody, they're gonna say that FSU's uh, learning environment is more expensive and higher quality than my community college that I went to. But the difference was made in the students themselves. Like, did they put the work in at home? Uh, so like, I think, it'd be great to have a higher quality school system everywhere or whatnot and maybe maybe having like a more spread out cheaper access to education or whatever maybe that you know would cheapen the schools and lower the quality of the schools but would it necessarily reduce the quality of the education because i honestly think that education is on the students more than the teachers or the the equipment they're using I agree with you when it comes to older kids. Um, when it comes to young kids, I think I disagree slightly. When it comes to, you know, early elementary school and things like that, I think at that point, it falls on not necessarily just the teachers, but on the teachers and the parents to instill a an appreciation for learning itself. And if you can do that at a young age, then I agree absolutely. Like that kid who now has had a an appreciation for learning and an enjoyment for learning, or at least, you know, an understanding of, of, of the necessity of learning, um, then that kid, once they're a little older, you know, later elementary school even, or middle school, and then onwards, I agree, you know, that kid can succeed no matter what no matter what school environment you put him or her in, they could have the crappiest teachers, the the an absolute lack of computers, you know, in their school, whatever it is, and they'll find a way to be successful. And you see those cases, right? You see those cases in the in inner city schools and in, in impoverished areas, right? That you have the quote unquote diamond in the rough kid who winds up making it big and getting really successful and really smart and going to college and everything else and it's because i think largely they've had some kind of mentor early on that instilled those values in them that now they value education they value success and they value learning and so now when it comes to you know middle school high school college and they can't depend on someone else for it you know they don't have the good teacher they don't have the good equipment 
then yeah, they can they can much more easily self-sustain. I do think though that at that early age, the early, you know, the young kids going to early education and early elementary school and things, you know, I, I don't know how much I want to put on the teachers because a lot of it falls on the parents too. Um, and even in early elementary school, right, you could have a crappy teacher and have parents that then instill those values in you and have parents that take the time to to work with you on your schoolwork and work with you on, you know, it, in impressing the value of getting an education and the value of trying hard in school and all those, you know, stereotypical things. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I, I largely agree. I, I think that, that you definitely made some good points, for sure. All right. Well, um, yeah, we, we definitely got pretty in depth with the education on that because that's one that's one uh, factor that's big on my political opinion on, on how I vote and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it was good hearing your side of things. I think it'd be good to, to wrap this up because uh, I think we were pretty thorough on everything from both of our uh, stances. And so in closing, um, what would you like to say uh, you could be as thorough as you want to as far as your stance on why you support Trump, why, you know, maybe other people should uh, vote the same way or or agree with you. What what do you think you could uh, summarize that all into? And It doesn't have to be a brief summary. You could explain <laughs> your stance however you'd like, but that's, that's kind of like the point of this episode is I wanted your opinion to be heard. So in summary, can you... Uh, you know, give people the closing message on, on why you're, you think you might vote for Trump. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, sorry, we got a little sidetracked. I did enjoy the education conversation, though. Um, but yeah, you know, as far as why I'm voting for Trump, or at least I think I'm voting for Trump, you know, look, I, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to your values. It comes down to what role you think government is supposed to serve and who you think is best able to do it. Not just the candidate, but unfortunately the party too, to an extent. Um, You know, I think when it comes to my personal stances on government, I have fairly low expectations. I have fairly low um, expectations of both the, what they should be doing and, and then as far as the imagistic sides, what I expect. Personally, I, when it comes to the role of government, I think that the role of government is to protect people's rights, and that's pretty much it. Um, You know, I'm not as concerned with imagistics. Um, I said in my last episode, and I got a little bit of criticism for it, that I don't think it should be an expectation that the president of the United States is a a moral role model. And, you know, I I think in an ideal world, sure, they should be moral, they should be a good person. But at the end of the day, I think that smaller government and less government regulation and less government involvement in our lives largely is a good thing. Um, And I think that on, on either Trump versus Biden, I think out of those two, Trump is definitely going to be the one that lessens the federal government's role in various arenas. He's definitely going to be the one that is worse in the imagistic and moral realm, right? He he has a worse ability to appeal to people's emotions and sensibilities and things like that. And I think that if you value that really highly, then 
you probably wouldn't feel great and shouldn't vote for Trump because he he pulls on those cords a lot for a lot of people. But yeah, I think that when it comes down to it, if your values are that government government's role in your life should be as minimal as possible while still doing what they can to protect your rights, that's where I think, you know, I, I, I lean into, into Trump a little more heavily as opposed to Biden. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's great to have you on the, the podcast. Uh, everyone, that was Zach. He is from the Say What Needs Saying podcast. Check it out. It's very good stuff. I, I've listened to a few episodes myself, and it, I feel like it's even better put together when I, what I do. Um, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's really great. Um, I'll, I'll put a link in the description of Say What Needs Saying podcast. And as you can tell, Zach is a well-educated and articulate, intelligent guy. So it's not like he's some redneck in the back of his truck ranting in his car or whatever like he's you know his his opinions are likely to come from some degree of research and and being able to look up good sources and don't worry zach about like we went on with the whole education thing part of why i started this podcast and why i even call it the rabbit hole is because i feel like all things are connected and that they just keep branching and until eventually something that's totally unrelated is completely related to something that you wouldn't expect. And so as long as it's still relevant to the subject, I don't mind branching off because this is the rabbit hole. That's what you're supposed to do in the rabbit hole. Uh, so, you know, the education is very much relevant to the your vo- you know, voting stance, healthcare is, all that stuff. And so, you know, that's perfect for me. This is a good episode, I think. And so I hope you all enjoyed it. You have now been through the rabbit hole. I am Donnie Podcast signing off. Thank you for being with me, Zach. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Say What Needs and on Instagram and Facebook at Say What Needs Saying for live updates and sound bites from our actual podcast. Don't forget to continue the discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks.